Before we begin with the scripture reading, I wanted to thank all of you who came to Trunk or Treat and supported it in other ways. We had a great turnout last Thursday night. Lots of people came through the church parking lot and played games and did other things as well as, as received candy and trick-or-treat. So I just wanted to thank all of those who came, who brought their trunks, who baked cupcakes or other goods for the cupcake walk, and who just supported this event because it was a great success. And so thank you so much. This morning our scripture reading comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 6, and then verses 12 through 31 if you'd like to follow along in your pew Bible. It reads, Brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be ignorant about spiritual gifts. You know that when you were Gentiles, you were often misled by false gods that can't even speak. So I want to make it clear to you that no one says Jesus is cursed when speaking by God's Spirit, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are different ministries and the same Lord, and there are different activities, but the same God who produces all of them in everyone. A demonstration of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. Christ is just like the human body. A body is a unit and has many parts, and all the parts of the body are one body, even though there are many. We were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jew or Greek, slave or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. Certainly the body isn't one part, but many. If the foot says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not a hand, does that mean it's not part of the body? If the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I am not an eye, does that mean it's not part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, what would happen to the hearing? And if the whole body were an ear, what would happen to the sense of smell? But as it is, God has placed each one of the parts in the body, just like he wanted. If all were one in the same body part, what would happen to the body? But as it is, there are many parts, but one body. So the eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. Or in turn, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. Instead, the parts of the body that people think are the weakest are the most necessary. The parts of the body that we think are less honorable are the ones we honor the most. The private parts of our body that aren't presentable are the ones that are given the most dignity. The parts of our body that are presentable don't need this. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the part with less honor so that there won't be division in the body and so that the parts might have mutual concern for each other. If one part suffers, All parts suffer with it. If one part gets the glory, all parts celebrate with it. You are the body of Christ and parts of each other. In the church, God has appointed first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, the ability to help others, leadership skills, different kinds of tongues. All aren't apostles, are they? All aren't prophets, are they? All aren't teachers, are they? All don't perform miracles, do they? All don't have gifts of healing, do they? All don't have gifts of different tongues, do they? All don't interpret, do they? Use your ambition to try to get the greater gifts, and I'm going to show you an even better way. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. The good, the bad, the ugly. As you hear this phrase, some of you may be thinking of the Clint Eastwood film that goes by the same name, one of his spaghetti westerns. How many of you all have seen it? Many of us have. 
This past week, as I've been thinking about this sermon series, it's something that's been on my mind for months. About what does it mean for us to be the church? What does it mean for us to function as a group of people who meet together as the body of Christ? And how do we do it in a way that glorifies God, glorifies Him, and presents Him to others in a positive way? Initially, I'd thought about calling this sermon series something about the church, the church, da-da-da. And what I started doing, though, as I was writing it and preparing it and kind of breaking it all out for the next three weeks, is I, I started a list with columns, as you can see here. And the list, I had the good, and then I had the bad of the church. And then as I was thinking and working on it, I realized that there were parts and things in the church that are just downright ugly. And so it made me think of that. And it made me laugh because I do enjoy this movie of Clint Eastwood's. I had planned all week to watch it as I was working on this sermon, but with Katie's birthday and Halloween and just other things that came up, it didn't happen. So maybe I'll have to this week. But it's a good Western. It's one that I'll watch even when it's halfway through when I find it on TV. The good, the bad, the ugly. When I hear this phrase, I also think of something else that I wanted to share with you all today. Something besides Clint Eastwood's movie of the same title. I think of a t-shirt that I purchased in college uh, that I bought from the bookstore there at New Mexico State University. I don't have this shirt anymore because I think I outgrew it. Although I wish I did because on days that Katie is required to wear her UTEP gear to, uh, to school for uh, uh, UTEP day or days that they're allowed to wear jerseys and stuff, I wish I had it because it does have UTEP on it, but it also has NMSU. The shirt said the good, it said the bad, it said the ugly, and it had the NMSU Aggie mascot, the UTEP Miner, and the UNM Lobo on it. Next to each words was one of the mascots, the good, the bad, the ugly, and since it was an NMSU t-shirt, I'm going to let you figure out which mascot was next to each one. The Aggie was the good, although I'm glad I don't have that shirt now, since I'm now in minor land. But you know, as I thought of that, and as I thought about this sermon series and prayed about it and thought about just the scripture, and as I think about what it means for us to be good, bad, and ugly in the church, I think it's an appropriate way for us to discuss what it means to be the church. Because we have to begin with an understanding that the church is a group of imperfect people of faith coming together to worship, to serve, to pray, and to share with one another. We have to begin with that fact that the per church is made up of imperfect people who carry the burden of sin, who are imperfect, who, but for the grace of God, are not able to do the things we do except for the grace of God. We have to begin that way. We have to begin with that understanding that the church can't be perfect because we ourselves cannot be perfect. I think this image or this sentence or this phrase is an appropriate way for us to think of the church because I believe that each of us in our own lives can think of times in our experience where we have experienced the church as good, bad, and even ugly. All of you can think it. All of you can think of the times in either this church or churches that you have previously been a part of in which everything just clicked and the light of Christ just shone. And things just happened. And it was just wonderful to be a part of. Because people's lives are being transformed. The light of Christ is illuminating everything that happens. Unfortunately, we can all think of bad things as well. 
when we hear of things that happen either in our own experience in the church or things that, that happen in other people's churches that we hear about that just aren't great. They don't build the body of Christ up. They don't strengthen fellow believers. They don't transform anyone into the likeness of Christ. And unfortunately, there's the ugly things that you and I have experienced, and I know we've all experienced them. Or things that we've heard of that have happened in other churches, of those we love or just those we know. You know, and instead of dwelling on those, I'm just going to say that they're things that we wouldn't wish on anybody. Because they're things that happen that make people question their faith. They're things that happen that make people question whether or not they even belong in a church. For the next three weeks, I want us to be thinking about what it means to be a church. And as we do, I want to invite you today to think about the times in your life where the church has shown where the church has been at its best, where the church has been good. And I want you to share it with me if you'd be willing to do that. I'd love to hear your experience. Give me a call. I'd love to to read it in an email or you can jot it down on the back of a bulletin. Because those are the stories that we need to share. Are the the, the stories of good in the church, are the stories of change in the church, are the stories of transformation in the church where people are built up? Because we all know that the bad stories and the ugly stories, they get told anyway. Those are the stories that we allow to be told. Those are the stories that we remember. Those are the stories that we discuss. But those aren't the stories that we should allow to become a part of our shared history or a shared story as a community of faith. You know, as I was thinking about this this past week, and I hadn't planned on, on telling you this story as part of my sermon, but as I was writing this sermon and thinking about it, I thought of an experience in my life when the church was just good. And it was when I was growing up, St. Paul's in Las Cruces. Uh, my parents were part of a big Sunday school class of, of couples mainly their age, with children roughly in the age span of, of my brother and myself. And I, I just remember this woman coming one time, and... It was her, and it was her son, and it was her daughter. And they were there, and they had come to the church in just a time of utter chaos in their lives. Um, I think I was about third grade, maybe, when this happened. And, and I just remember it happening and never really knowing what was going on, but yet experiencing it all together. See, this woman showed up, and her son, or her husband had just been put in jail for killing her middle son. And so she came to our church just in the state that you would imagine someone would come after having that happen to them in their life. Her husband had just been in jail. You know, I don't think any of the legal stuff had gone on. I think he was the, the, the breadwinner for their family, and, and I think her, she was a homemaker. And so she came not knowing where to turn or what to do or what needed to happen. And, you know, I mentioned earlier that that I was only in third grade, but I just remember wondering, all of a sudden, we had this other family with us. Not living with us, but, you know, going out to to lunch with us after church on a Sunday or, or doing other things with us during the week. Or I even remember going with their family, with my mom who gave them a ride because I don't think she had a car. 
and waiting with, with her son and, and her daughter while she went back to the visiting area of the jail to visit with her husband. And I, I didn't realize it at the time that my parents were part of a larger group that was helping her, that was reaching out to her, that was connecting with her, that was offering her some opportunity and support through the trial and everything else that happened. They helped her to, I think, get back into school to to figure out what she was going to do to support her son and her daughter and to support herself as she moved forward in her life after such a tragic event. Occasionally my parents see her around Las Cruces still. She's not a part of St. Paul's anymore. I think she's she's found another church church family that, that she's a part of. But But the one thing that she always shares with them is how that church at that time was good and at its best. Because it helped her in her time of greatest need. And the light of Christ shone through. See, we all have stories like that. We all have stories and experiences that we can share and that we can make possible for others. Because I think at its best, when everything is good, the church can't be compared to anything else that you and I are part of. Any other organization, any other group, because at its best, the church brings people of faith together and it's fueled by the Holy Spirit And it changes people's lives. When the church is at her best or when the church is just so good, people in the church are reaching out and they're helping others. Spiritual gifts are being used. No one person of the body of Christ is being lifted above or before others and all are experiencing the inward transformation that occurs in and through the grace of God. We've all heard those stories. We've experienced them. When lives are changed because of the church, because of the Holy Spirit, because of the way people are coming together, recognizing the gifts that each bring as a contribution to the greater body of Christ for the glory of God. You know, and when this isn't happening, when we experience the church that isn't doing good, we experience or we have the potential to do bad and both ugly things to each other and to those that come in contact with us. You know, because that was the church. If we look at our scripture today that Paul was writing to, he wasn't writing to a church in which all eight cylinders were clicking and they were just moving along. He wasn't writing to a church that things were just so wonderful that all that they did just worked and it was perfect. He was writing to a church just like ours that was trying to figure out who they were supposed to be in the world that they were in and in the time that they had been placed there together. He was writing to a church that, for whatever reason, he had heard. It was believed when Corinthians is written that Paul was in Ephesus and he may have been imprisoned for a number of years there during this time. But Paul's writing to this community of faith who's experiencing all sorts of things. All sorts of things. They were experiencing theological crisis. They were experiencing ethical crisis. They were experiencing moral questions. And they were trying to figure out how to work together interrelationally. Because the church at that time was built of many different people. 
from many different places. Which is why Paul said, Jew or Gentile, Greek, slave or free, all are equal in the body of Christ. Because Paul's telling them that no matter who they are, no matter where they come from, no matter what their origin is, according to Christ, and according to the Holy Spirit, they're equal. So there is no one that was going to be slave or free. There was no one that was going to have status over one another, whether they did out in the secular world or not, in the church. They were equal because of the body of Jesus Christ. So for the Christian community to function as Christ's body, all had to be equal. Not considered identical, because Paul takes a lot of time to say that every body part is not the same. They don't all have the same function. And if they did, it wouldn't work. But what he says is that we're different. Because God calls us and creates us with different gifts that we are to use to strengthen the community. To build the community. But then he says your gifts are equal. No matter what they are. Because each part, each person, has a role in glorifying God and strengthening the community. The Christian life then is not to be lived interdependently. Or independently. It's to be practiced and lived interdependently as the body of Christ. See, Paul's writing to a church. He's not writing to individual Christians saying, here's what you're supposed to do to grow in your faith. What he's doing is he's writing to a community saying, here's how you have to work together to glorify God and to be the best, to do the good, and to offer far more than the bad and ugly that you can offer and that you have the potential to offer. The Christian community, community, it is the body of Christ. And each of us bring our gifts, each of us brings our talents, each of us bring our specialties that contribute to who we are today. Not for the church in the past, possibly for the church in the future, but God puts us here for today. And so today I want you to think about the best stories in your life in the church, about the times in which things have just been good, Think about them. Think about them and remember them because those are the stories that you have to share. It's the stories of transformation. It's the stories of growth. It's the story of change. It's the stories of support. It's the stories of being the body of Christ that God has called us to be. It doesn't matter whether we're slave or free, Jew or Greek. All are equal in the eyes of God and in the ways he's called us to serve him with fellow believers. Amen.